Thank you all so much. This is an awesome, awesome feel. If I could totally uh, be honest here, feels like a revival. I believe that God is moving right now through our nation, through our country, through our cities. And I just want to say that on behalf of my wife, Sister Teresa, and uh, New Harvest Anaheim, we are blessed that we were invited to come out today. Thank you so much. You know, this is a, a privilege. We count it a great privilege to be here. You're in a good church. If you come to New Harvest Norwalk, you are blessed. Continue to come because God is doing something great here. I, I just want to start off by saying that for all of those that are here, thank you, but also those that are online, thank you for taking the time to join in because you're taking time to hear from God. And I hear that this whole, I think it's been more than a month now on the unqualified series that's been going on, it's been awesome. But today we're going to continue that same series and it's titled, My Label is Holding Me Back. My label is holding me back. Do you feel unqualified because maybe a label is holding you back? Have you ever heard people state regarding labels? Hey, I don't like labels. Don't label me. It's a very unpopular thing to say. If you want to lose friends, start labeling them. They'll tell you, don't label me. I don't like to be labeled. But not only is it unpopular, it's actually something very negative, and it has negative effects on people. It's stated in a research article by Ashley Crossman. Quote, unquote, this is what she says. Labeling theory states that people come to identify and behave in ways that reflect how others label them. For example, once a person is identified as deviant, it's extremely difficult to remove that label. The individual becomes stigmatized as a criminal and is likely to be considered untrustworthy by others. Labels are powerful. And the reality is, is nobody really likes labels. And the label that you received, maybe you received it when you were young. Maybe you received it before you got saved. Maybe even while you're saved. Is that label causing you to feel unqualified? Is that label making you feel like, mm, I don't know if I'm able. I don't know if I could do this. So today we're going to learn how God desires to change our labels if we're willing to wrestle with him. Are you willing to contend with God about those labels? Now in the Bible, there's this young man. His name is Jacob. He was a twin. As both he and his twin brother were being born, Jacob did something that caused him to be labeled from that very moment. And a label is exactly what Jacob got the moment he was born. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 24 to 26, if you have your phones or your Bibles, Genesis chapter 25, verse 24 to 26 it says, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out, and his hand was grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Now, maybe some of you, maybe some of you have felt labeled even as young kids. 
You didn't ask for the label. You were a young baby, didn't know left from right, but people started labeling you. Some labels are cute, right? You know, cutie and adorable and handsome. We'll take those labels. But we're talking about labels that are maybe detrimental, that you grew up with throughout your whole life, always having that in the back of your head. You know what? My mom always said that. You know, my dad always did tell me I was never this good at this. Do you hold on to those labels? Maybe you received those labels as a child, just like Jacob did. Now in Latin and Hebrew, Jacob's name is explained as meaning holder of the heel. But it also means this, supplanter. Supplanter. According to dictionary.com, supplanter means to take the place of another through force, scheming, and strategy. And it was interesting that he was given this name because later in life, throughout his life, guess what? He continued to deceive. He continued to supplant because he twice deprived his brother Esau of his right as, his, as the firstborn son. Genesis chapter 27 verse 36 says this. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taking my blessing. His own brother was like, yep, you're a deceiver. You're a schemer. You're a supplanter. He was living up to his label. But can I tell you that God had first spoken to their mother, Rebecca, prior to the boys even being born. And this is what he told her in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. You see, God basically gave her a prophetic word about her son's destiny before they even grew up, before they were even born. But I want to point something out. It's very possible that their mother, Rebecca, favored Jacob over Esau because of this word from God. She, she probably poured out more into Jacob. Well, God said you're the chosen one, so I got to give you a little bit more attention. Esau, get out of the way. Get out of the way. He is God's chosen. You know, who knows if that was in her heart? Can I tell you, parents, that your children, they can truly tell when you favor their siblings over them? They are not dumb. I mean, we love our kids. We all love our kids equally. That's, that's the, the truth, right? But sometimes our favor can lean more towards one than the other. Guess what? The siblings notice. And the fact is in Genesis chapter 25, verse 28, it says, Isaac, that's their father, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. The fact that it says, but... Rebecca loved Jacob indicates an excuse is being made. Kind of like when you catch your kids doing something they're not supposed to. Hey, what are you doing that? Um, well, it, it's because, um, why did you do that? Um, I don't know, but it's because, but, but always comes before an excuse. Parents, flash your lights if you know what I'm talking about. But always comes before an excuse. And see, she was making an excuse. Yeah, Isaac loves his son because of his cooking, but I love my son, Jacob. He is the chosen one. In other words, Jacob was her favorite. 
Yes, God did say that Jacob would be the leader. And he was chosen to fulfill God's plan for the nation of Israel. But God did not say it should happen through deceit and manipulation. That he did not say. And as a result of this, there was division in the family. As a result of this favoritism, it could be speculated that the way Rebecca went about it was the reason that Esau later despised, the Bible says, his own birthright. And that he was so willing to give it up for a bowl of beans. Let's see what happened. Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 to 32 says, Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said, Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. A deal's a deal. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is this birthright for me? Now, modern-day rabbi Lawrence Hoffman, he gives a clear explanation as to why Esau sold his birthright. This is what he says, quote-unquote, Esau treated his birthright with contempt, the Torah summarizes, not because he was too tired to think straight, but because his very soul was world-weary that he had given up on life. Esau had given up. He thought, what is there left to live for? I can tell my mom doesn't even want me to have this birthright. What do I want it for? I might as well give it away because my mom doesn't want me to have it. Maybe you feel like giving up. Maybe you feel like, you know what, what's the use? Why am I still in this marriage? Why do I still come to church? Nothing's changing. Why, why am I even here? Maybe some of you are ready to give up on yourself. Can I tell you, can I encourage you? Don't give up. Don't do it. Don't give up because you feel a certain way. Even maybe people labeled you a certain way and that's why you want to give up. Maybe people think about you a certain way and that's why you want to give up. Yes, that's depressing, especially if it comes from your own family. And I know there's many of us here that our own family has done some major harm. Don't give up though. Because your destiny is that stake. Just like Esau's destiny was at stake. But see, he gave up. So he was like, who cares? Take the birthright. I don't need it. I probably will get more out of this stew here than my birthright. He was so hurt. He was so devastated. And God's not done with you yet, church. But if you give up, then you're not giving God a chance to move. You know, many roots of rejection could have come from this into Esau's life, which would have caused him to resent his mother, to resent his brother, to resent his own life, his own birthright. And Esau, he had a good reason to think this. I'm not making this up, church. Look at what the Bible says. I mean, after all, after all, it was his own mother who suggested to Jacob, hey, go steal your brother's birthright. Go take advantage of the fact that your dad is blind and we're going to do a little trickery here and he's going to think he's you and you're going to get the blessing. You see, she favored Jacob. There's no doubt about that. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 27, 11 to 13. This is Rebecca's conversation with Jacob. Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I will appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, 
My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Wow. You don't think Esau knew his mom was in cahoots with Jacob? How do you think that made him feel? That's why he was like, take the birthright. I don't need it. I don't care. Parents, here's a message for us. We cannot play God by maneuvering and manipulating on behalf of our children. We cannot try to get in there because, oh, well, God's will needs to be done. So let me see what I could do for my kids to make sure God's will is done. You know, God does not need us to make sure his will is done. But see, Rebecca was doing things to make sure God's will was done. When we do this as parents, actually, we end up suffering unnecessarily. Rebecca ended up suffering for this since guess what? She had to send her son away because her bro the brother Esau was like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill Jacob. As soon as my dad dies, I'm going after him. He's a dead man. He was so full of rage. He was ready to take him out. And of course, mom ran to the rescue. Run, Jacob, run, get out of here. And you know what's sad? She didn't get to see him for 20 years. She didn't get to see her son for 20 years. I really don't think that was part of God's plan. It was not God's plan that there be deception. It was not God's plan that there be destruction. It was not God's plan that there be family separation. And I highly doubt that Rebecca wanted to miss out on Jacob's 20 years of life. Can I, can I say something? It's, it's a fact. God's will will be done. God's will was done in this true account in the Bible. It was done. God's will will be done. But we determine how it comes about. We determine how it gets done. The way we live, the way and the things we do determines how it comes about. God's like, hey, you can do whatever you want. I'm still going to have my way at the end. But if you want to go through all this drama, go ahead. But you don't need to. Now, the good news is that eventually Jacob decided to change his ways. Basically, Jacob wanted to change his label. He was like, I'm tired of being the deceiver. He probably felt bad that he had to do that to his brother. Basically, this was a turning point in his life. Kind of like when we got saved. Kind of like when we got saved, there was a turning point in our life at that moment, right? Something began to stir in our hearts. Something began to take place that said, amen. I think he likes a sermon. Something began to take place in our hearts that said, I need to change. I want something different. Am I the only one? Flash your lights. Don't, didn't you remember when you were ready to come to Christ? There was things happening inside. Desires were starting to change. You were starting to get tired of your old way of living. God was already beginning to bring that change. But let's look at what changes took place inside Jacob's life. For one, he obeyed his parents on who to marry. Something important to state about this is that Jacob was no teenager when he said, okay, mom, I agree with you. This is who I'll marry. He was in his 40s. He was in his 40s. And can I say teens, young adults, and adults in general, if you're blessed with saved parents, there is nothing wrong with honoring your parents' direction and taking their advice. 
You know, if they're trying to steer you a certain way, saying, hey, I don't think this is a good thing. I don't think she's a good one for you. I don't think he's the right one for you. Listen, especially if they're saved because they pray for you. They intercede for you. So heed their advice about marriage. Jacob did. But their other son, Esau, he didn't listen to his parents. And instead, he married worldly Hittite women. Now, these were women that worshiped false gods. These were women that may have been in, involved in shrine prostitution. You see, he, he went for the worldly girls. He got enticed by the world and said, oh, those girls look good over there. His mother, Rebecca, had something to say about their marriages. In Genesis chapter 27, verse 46, it says this. Then Rebecca said to Isaac, so the parents are having a conversation. I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women, which were Esau's wives. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. She was like, I can't handle anymore. That's enough. And you know what? That's truly what happens. When, when we see our kids make bad choices, right, parents? It hurts us. It, it makes life hard because you love your kids so much and you want to see them do the right thing. Their father Isaac also had something to say, not as dramatic, but in Genesis chapter 28, verse 1, here are his words of wisdom. Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Plain and simple, to the point. Don't marry her. You see, Esau had no regard for his parents' direction. And Esau had no regard for the ways of the Lord either. Because he was willing to marry unbelievers. So adult children, I'm not talking to kids, I'm saying adult children. If your parents are believers, heed their instructions about marriage. You shouldn't marry unbelievers. It will bring unnecessary trials to your life. And guess what? It really does affect your parents when you don't heed their guidance. It really does. Kind of like Rebecca said, she felt like her life wouldn't be worth living. It affected her. She wasn't being dramatic. She was being truth. She was being true about what she was feeling. And you might think, well, it's my life. I'm an adult. They don't have to worry about me. But guess what? It still affects your parents, whether you like it or not. This must be for somebody. Another example of how he was willing to change his label, a change that was starting to happen, is now he was willing to work honestly and no longer be deceptive and manipulative. Jacob was willing to work seven years in order to marry the love of his life, Rachel. Genesis chapter 29, 20 says, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Wow, how romantic. Think about that, ladies. I'll work seven years for you, but it's only going to seem like seven days. This guy was in love. And some of you, I'm going to tell you right now, single brothers and sisters, you complain about waiting one year. You complain when your pastor says, I think you should pray about six months. What? Six months? Oh, forget this. Well, Jacob waited seven years. You're like, it's been seven months. Or, hey, babe, it's been seven weeks. Let's just hurry up and go get married. Jacob loved Rachel so much, he was willing to wait. To him, Rachel was worth the wait. 
Sisters, can I tell you, you're worth the wait. Sisters, you are worth the wait. Amen. Now, I got to say something else. Brothers, you're worth the wait, too. I say that because, my gosh, there's some fast and aggressive sisters out there now. So I'm just saying, brothers and sisters, you're both worth the wait. Do not feel pressured. Do not feel pulled and tugged. Wait on God. Heed your parents' direction. And if your parents aren't saved, please heed your pastors. Either way, heed your pastors' guidance. Check with them. Get some wisdom. Get some understanding. And just as a side note about Jacob, the poor guy had to work an extra seven years on top of the first seven because Rachel's dad was now manipulating him. Now, this is a caution to all of us. Just because God calls us doesn't mean that we don't reap what we sow. You know, Jacob could have felt like, I'm called. My mom told me I'm chosen. I'm the chosen one. But you know what? It didn't give him an excuse to sin. It didn't give him an excuse to deceive. It didn't give him an excuse to manipulate. And now, when he really wants someone, someone's in there manipulating the situation. Oh, you really like my daughter? Okay, well, another seven years. You see, just because God calls us does not mean that we won't reap what we sow. Jacob was reaping his deceptive ways with his brother by now being manipulated to work 14 years so he could marry the woman he loved. God is just, church. God is just, doesn't matter who we are. If we do people wrong, we're gonna reap it. I'm gonna say that again. If you do people wrong, we're gonna reap it. Regardless of the calling on your life, please do not confuse the calling of God as the favor of God allowing you to get green lights on sin. But thank God that he is a God of change that desires to change us from our old ways to our newborn ways. How many newborn believers do we have out in this beautiful parking lot today? Amen. This leads to the third point. Only God could truly change Jacob's label. Only God could truly do that. God never wanted for Jacob to be known as a deceiver. God didn't want him to be known as a manipulator. That wasn't part of God's plan. Just like it wasn't part of God's plan for us to do the things we did before we got saved. Maybe there's someone here and you know you're not living right. Can I tell you that's not God's plan? Don't fall for the lie that says, oh, well, I guess this is just my life. No, 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 no. God has much more in store for you than a life of sin. That is never God's plan. Just like it wasn't part of God's plan for us to live a life of sin. Now, maybe some of you have labels on your life that are not positive because of these lifestyles. Maybe some of those labors are holding you back. Well, this is what I've done in my life. So now in Christianity, I don't think I can. No, no, no. That's an old label. That's a past label. Some of you may be like, well, you know, I don't think I could ever be a preacher or a pastor because I actually, I don't know how to read that well. So I'm, and besides they told me I'm illiterate or I got a learning disability. So basically I guess I'm never going to be, no, you take that label and you throw it in the trash because God could change any label that the world has given you. 
You don't accept those labels because God didn't give you those labels. You accept God's labels, not the world's labels. Maybe, maybe you got a couple strikes on your record. Maybe you got some felonies and, and you got the label of unemployable. Can I tell you, throw that in the trash because God can make you employable. God can do a miracle in your life, regardless of what the state, the system, the government, whatever's on your record says, God can change those labels. God is in the business of changing things and making all things new, regardless of our past. But the change that takes place in us doesn't happen immediately. I wish it did, trust me. I wish it was like, okay, I'm saved, boom, now I'm the man I'm going to be forever till I get to heaven. But that's not how it works. You and I know that. Change is long and egregious. It takes time and it can be painful. But guess what? We have to do our part. I wish God could just, like he made the world, the earth, the sea, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, he called light and there was light. He called dark and there was dark. He called the earth and there was earth. I wish he could just say, here, boom, there you are, the person you're going to be for the rest of your life. But no, with us, he says, okay, I'll do my part, but you need to do your part. You see, there needs to be a contending, a wrestling for the change in our life that needs to take place. And can I tell you, if you're not contending, if you're not wrestling, don't expect change to happen in your life. And don't complain, nothing changes. Well, let me ask you, are you contending? Are you wrestling with the Lord? Are you seeking him? Are you asking God, God, I will not stop until you do this for me. I will not stop praying until I see my kids get saved. I will not stop serving you. I'll never stop serving you, but I want my family to be restored. Don't give up. Wrestle for it. Fight for it. Genesis chapter 32 verse 24 says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. At that moment, God changed his label. He was no longer a deceiver. He was no longer a manipulator, but now he is Israel. And you know what? You want to know what happened? Not only did he get a new name, but the new label Israel means persevere. Do we have any Israels out there? Do we have any perseveres out there? Don't be anything less. We need to persevere. We need to wrestle with the things that we want to see God do in our life. You see, God wants us to contend with him in prayer because he doesn't want us to be passive but to earnestly seek him for those blessings that you request, for the grace, like God told Jacob, I won't let you go unless you bless me. What are we contending for, church? What, what are you hoping in your life changes? Some of you may have labels like, well, this is just the way my family is. Oh, well, this is just the way I grew up. So you're gonna have to put up with my attitude. 
or you're just going to have to put up with my, my bad uh, sassiness, or you're just going to have to deal with it because this is who I am. No, that's a label. Do you want God to change that label? Then wrestle with God, contend with God. You know, we all know there's things in us that's wicked. And we got to take it to God and say, God, I don't like this about myself. I don't like this label that's in me, that's been in me. I don't like it. And I'm talking about in salvation. I'm not talking about before you got saved. We all still have some labels to wrestle with God about. My question is, are you wrestling? Are you contending? Now, we can do this not by physically wrestling with God, but by three things. Number one, seeking him earnestly in prayer. What's your prayer life like? If you don't have a prayer life, then you're not contending. And if you're not contending, you're not changing. And you're going to be stagnant and you're going to be stuck in the old label, which is not God's plan. God has a new label, but we have to walk into it. We have to fight our way into it. And let me make a point. You know, when Jacob wrestled with God, he didn't walk the same ever again. I mean, literally, God hit him in the hip, and now Jacob's walking with a limp. You know, he could have, I'm pretty sure he walked around as a kid, I'm the chosen one, ha, 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 Esau, you're not. You know, and he thought he was just the, the king of the family. But now God's like, now with every step you take, you're going to know you had to fight for that label. You, you don't just get it. You don't just, it's not just handed to you. Now you're going to know, oh, praise God, because I know what this means. It, it, it took a fight, and thank God I was able to contend, and God came through for me. See, church, we need to walk humbly with God. When we contend with God, we are humbled by God. And there is nothing wrong with walking humbly before the Lord, because that's when God can change our labels. Now, the second thing that we can do is confess our sins and ask him to forgive us. You see, what you don't know is prior to that wrestling match he had with God, it said that he prayed the night before. He was praying and he wanted to change. And you know what he wanted to change? He wanted to change his relationship with his brother because he knew he did him wrong. And his brother was on the way and he was like, dude, I'm dead. He's coming with 400 men on horseback. I'm dead. He's coming for me. So he prayed and contended. And you know what God did? When his brother walked up, they hugged and they embraced. And there was redemption. No longer was there aggression. No longer was there hate. No longer did Esau want to kill his brother. Now he was embracing him. Because I believe he confessed to the Lord the night before he wrestled with God. He, he poured himself out and said, God, I am sorry. I did my family wrong. Some of you, you have some apologizing to do to your family. There's some things you've done and you think, well, we're saved now, so just let it go. No, you need to apologize. You need to sit your family down and say, you know what? I was wrong. I'm not going to excuse myself by just saying we're saved now, so sweep it under the rug. No, I was wrong and I should have never done this. It works. I wasn't planning to say this, but I feel led to say this. You know, when I first got saved, <clears throat> I remember God dealt with me about these things. 
And he told me, I want you to take your mom and dad out to lunch, sit them down and tell them everything that you did that they don't know about. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And I remember my dad said, man, I would have hung you. And my mom was like, not you. Are you kidding me? And I had to ask them for forgiveness because I deceived them. I lied to them when I said I was going with some friends. I was doing more than that. You see, after that, God brought change in my life. He, he, he had to tell me, Jose, you got to confess some things. Church, please confess to God. And if you need to forgi- ask for forgiveness with your family, do so. The next thing is pursuing a life that includes Christ. Pursue God. Pursue him. Like, like Jacob told God, no, I'm not going to let you go. He was pursuing his blessing. In conclusion, the outcome of Jacob's earnest seeking and wrestling with God, it said, because you have struggled with God and with men and overcome, your new label is persevere. Your new label is Israel. You see, God changed Jacob. He was never the same. He never walked the same, I mean, physically and even spiritually. Can I tell you, when God works with us, we are never the same. When God changes us, we are different. You want to change in your life? Come to the Lord. Saved or unsaved, come to the Lord. That's where the change happens. God left a mark on him and God wants to leave a mark on us. No longer would he be known by the prior label of deceiver and schemer, but instead a new label of perseverance. Can I encourage you to persevere and pray until God comes through? Don't give up. Don't let your label hold you back any longer. Let God give you a new label. He desires to give you a label. You know, the Bible says that there's our, our names are written in heaven, but they're not the names we have now. They are not the labels we have now. He has a different label reserved for us. But do we want it? And his label, let me tell you, The label he had of deceiver, it held him back. He couldn't see his mom. He couldn't marry the woman he wanted to. He had to wait 14 years. He had division with his brother. That held him back. But my gosh, when he got the label of Israel, of persevere, God flung him forward, prospered him, blessed him. His family was restored. His family grew. And that's what God wants to do with you. He wants to take your old label and chuck it. And he wants to spur you into the label of your destiny. A label that will lead you and take you into your destiny. Church, we all have a destiny. Your destiny is not just to come to church twice a week. I love it that we come to church twice a week. But that is not our destiny. God has something more than just church attendance. Have you contended with God about what that is? If we could bow our heads at this moment. Unqualified. Jacob's label made him unqualified for the plan that God had. What is unqualifying you? Before I get into the altar call for the church, 
I will tell you, if you have not accepted Christ into your heart and you have not said, Jesus, come into my heart, you are living an unqualified life. You are not yet where God wants you. I encourage you today to start that change. Let God begin to bestow upon you a new label, a new name, a label given through his son, Jesus Christ, to be sons and daughters of God. That is the label. Did you know that the word says that if we are not in the will of God, we are at enmity with the Lord. That means we are enemies of God. We are not his children. But when you say, Jesus, come into my heart, now you're a son of God. Now you're a daughter of God. Now you have a new label. 